The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. It's the 2018 premiere of Red Leg Nation Radio and also the, the 192nd episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining us uh, here today. I'm Chad Dotson, your host, and with me again, as always, my good friend and yours, maybe, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am well, and I'm everyone's good friend, Chad. Are you? No. Sometimes you're not mine. <laughs> talk to my students. <laughs> you sometimes disagree with me, and I don't react well when people disagree with me. True, But uh, we may do some disagreeing on this podcast, but we're back to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, the 2018 Cincinnati Reds. And it's, you know, it's been about a month since we uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus for the offseason, but we're back. And there's really, even though it's been an extremely quiet offseason for the Reds, and we'll get to that, there's still a lot to talk about. Uh, and this has been an eventful week, uh, <laughs> at least uh, for some of us. It all began with... You've heard of Christian Yelich, Jason? Um, uh, I believe he is the center fielder for the Miami Marlins. Oh, he was the center fielder for the Miami Marlins, Jason. This oh. week. This you week. He's, no, he's changing addresses. Ah. He's moving to balmy Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee Brewers traded for Christian Yelich, a great young center fielder that I had my hopes set on uh, joining the Reds. And uh, instead... Another team in the division acquires uh, his services for for a pretty steep price that we'll get into in a moment. But um, they paid a lot. They paid a lot and trade to the Marlins for Yelich's service. But now we've got at least three teams in the division. This is why I got upset by this deal, Jason. I wanted Yelich bad, and now we've got three teams in the division that are really being proactive, trying to get better this off season, and the Reds are just standing pat. Should I be upset about that? God, I don't know. I can't make up my mind, to be honest. What, I mean, what the Brewers gave up, that's a pretty intense uh, trade. That's a lot that they gave up. Um, and it's prospects, so you never know. But of, prospects that are majorly ready. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, something the Reds probably it, didn't have. Yeah, it's still a lot, you know. Kind of what I've said is it looked to me like the Reds would have had to give up something like Senzel, Trammell, Winker. I don't know. That's a lot. I, yeah, I don't know if I would do that, honestly. Um, you know, uh, because he's so far away and there's so much risk, I could see like Hunter Green maybe. I don't know. How do you feel about Hunter Green, Chad? <laughs> I don't know what you what you mean, Jason. Why would I have any opinion at all about Red's phenom, eighteen uh, year old starting pitching prospect Hunter Green? Well, I don't know. I was just wondering <laughs> if you know 
what you might some, want someone to say to you in two years if Hunter Green blows out his elbow. Oh, mercy. Okay, let's address the elephant in the room here. Um, no, it's funny. You know, uh, we were talking after Yelich uh, was traded to the Brewers. Um, I was sort of making the point on Twitter that I would have been willing. I would not have been willing to trade Senzel. I would not have been willing to make the, the send the packages you just said. Certainly, when you include Jesse Winker, Tedder Trammell, yeah, you know, that's that's too much. I don't. I don't think the Reds. I'm okay with the Reds not getting Yelich, even though I really wanted him. I think he just he, you know, he's, he's under contract for five seasons, 25 years old. I mean, we're talking an all-star center fielder. He was just going to look gorgeous in Great American Ballpark, and I really wanted the Reds to get him. But when you see what Milwaukee gave up, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I'm willing to do that. But I made the point that I would be willing if if they if the I keep saying the Brewers if the oh, I did that on Twitter earlier if the Marlins said okay. We start this discussion with you got to give us one of Senzel or Hunter Green. I say, okay, we're, we have something to discuss because I would absolutely trade Hunter Green in that package. And uh, if you could put together a package that would get a guy like Senzel. And a lot of people argue with me about that. And I understand. I don't want to trade Hunter Green. This guy's an amazing prospect. But on the other hand, you know, as they say, there's no such thing as a, a pitching prospect because you never know when they're going to get hurt or which ones are going to pan out. You just don't know. And so I made the offhand comment that, uh, well, okay, let's hang on to Hunter. You say you want to hang on to some somebody. And I got to look up his name now because I'm afraid I'm going to mis uh, mispronounce it. Who said that? But um, I said, what happens if in two years Hunter Green blows out his arm and we get nothing for him? And, of course, it seems that our good friend Hunter Green saw that. No, oh, it's Ryan. Ryan, what's your last name? i gotta, I got to find that. I, I have to take issue because I think probably the uh, the operative word here is that you said, talk to me in two years when Hunter Green Okay. So okay. That, that when there. I think that's probably what caught uh, <laughs> young Mr. Green's attention. Well, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, um, I did say it like that because, you know, I'm just saying – if that happens, if you look at just that tweet, it's out of context. You think that I, it sounds like I'm predicting that he's going to blow out his arm. And I'm not. Gosh, I hope he doesn't. Um, <laughs> you know, this guy is the uh, one of the best prospects the Reds have ever had. I definitely don't. Uh, Ryan Rayburn. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Ryan, sorry. Um, it was you that got me in all this trouble with Hunter Green, though. Evidently, Hunter Green, I did say that. I, and he saw it somehow. I tend to think he was probably searching for his name on Twitter. I don't know how else he would come upon a conversation between me and Ryan that was, you know, um, didn't involve him. Nobody nobody tagged him in it as far as I could tell. But he made a tweet that uh, he needed a witch doctor because I was putting bad uh, voodoo on him. And it was funny, whatever. I got a lot of people that didn't think it was very, very funny that <laughs> tweeted at me after that. But, you know... Uh I just want to check and make sure I've got this straight. If, as I understand it, you're going to need to sacrifice a live chicken to take the curse off of Hunter Green's elbow. Is that right? That's pretty much the way it, way it works. He asked for a, a paper clip and a live chicken and uh, a cheeseburger <laughs> and a, a lock of my hair, basically a hair sample. And um, I mean, it was really a sort of a crazy day. Um, I was actually at work and in the middle of something that was really pretty important. And uh, my phone was sitting over there, and it was going nuts. It just notification after notification. And it wasn't buzzing or anything, but I could see it lights up, you know. 
Yeah. And I, but I couldn't tell because I was busy doing something else, and I couldn't um, look to see what was going on. And I'm like, uh, what is what's happening here? And uh, <laughs> what had happened was that uh, Hunter Green had called me out, <laughs> and all his fans really jumped on me, and uh, and one made a uh, a personal threat using some foul language and. Um, after that, I think Twitter got involved because I was getting notifications of some that were using foul language and things like that, and then they were disappearing. They weren't showing up in my timeline, which I thought was interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, he, I, I explained what I was saying later, and I made some jokes about showing up at wherever his uh, home stadium is. And uh, I'd actually already uh, been invited to join James Rapine on uh, ESPN 1530 that day to talk about the Reds. And, of course, that got ended up being a discussion about my Twitter account, um, <laughs> which yeah, which is fine. Whatever. It was, it was fun. It was funny. Uh, Hunter Green was liking my tweets the rest of the day and, and basically said, you know, it's all in good fun. Um, some people didn't take it that way, and I understand it. But let me just clear the clear the air. I don't want Hunter Green to blow out his arm. Okay. <laughs> You know, we should we should say this that that if anything, it's it's pretty clear that Hunter Green has a, a fairly decent head on his shoulders and and uh, understands you know when to not overreact or whatever. Oh yeah, so. I mean he was in on the joke really. I mean, um, and, and my from my perspective, he's an eighteen year old kid having a little fun on Twitter. Um, yeah, it, it didn't hurt my feelings any. Um, and and actually, I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was, I enjoyed it all day long. Some people didn't enjoy it. Some people uh, got, I got a couple of nasty emails and um, a bunch of nasty tweets, but also a lot of people just sort of laughing about it and saying, oh, you know, it's hilarious. So, but, but let me just, I got to, I'm on the record here. I want Hunter Green to be a number one starter for the Reds for his entire career. I mean, I would love that. If he can be the guy that he's projected to be, I would much rather have that than trading for Christian Yelich. If I could be assured that he's going to be yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he's basically what, like, I don't know, Roger Clemens, I mean, well, that's his projections. I mean, that's his ceiling. Maybe not Roger yeah. Clemens, but I mean, the guy does throw 102. Yeah, no, that's actually his ceiling. I yeah, think. <laughs> I'm thinking it might be actually. He's yeah. on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's the next, Le he's the LeBron of baseball. Yeah. So you, I mean, you want him to be an ace for the Reds rather than getting Christian Yelich, right? Yeah, of course I do. But do you see where I'm coming from on that? Oh, totally. Yeah, I would absolutely. I would in the second grade. Hunter Green for Chris and Yelich. Like, no no thoughts right now. Let's do that. Just no question. Just go. Like, now. Um, yeah. Because you don't know. Because he is a kid, and he could hurt his elbow, or he could just not work out. Like, you know, he's got a, he's got a ceiling that's out of this world, but, boy, most people don't hit their ceilings. Right. And so, And especially you know, pitchers. You can't. You can't pick and choose which ones will. You just don't know. Right. Yeah, you have no idea. You know, in the, the case that I've been bringing up lately, and this is probably somebody we should talk about too, is when we get into other discussions, but it's it's Tyler Molly, who several years ago was thought of as a basically a fine prospect. You know, nothing, no great shakes or anything. Probably an okay-ish major league pitcher. But he may very well end up being the best of that crop because there's no such thing as a pitching prospect and nobody has any idea what any of them are going to do, really. And the flip side of that is a guy that's also fighting for a spot on the rotation, Robert Stevenson, who, yeah. you know, was a number one pick and sort of a can't-miss guy. Um, and, you know, and he he still may end up being that guy. I'm not saying that he's not, but uh, compare him with Tyler Molly, 
and you see that it's just it's difficult to project. So that's the only reason I was suggesting the Reds may want to consider trading Hunter Green when they wouldn't want to trade Nick Senzel. Yeah. Um, yeah, seems much more of a can't miss. He's much closer. His his ceiling is not, you know, I don't know, Babe Ruth in the way that Hunter Green's ceiling is Roger Clemens. But, I don't know, what's, what's Nick Senzel's ceiling like? Uh, Hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I, you think of a name a while I say this. Like, you know... <laughs> it's it's something good. His ceiling is good, but he's he's performed in the professional ranks now to where we know that at least his floor is as an above average hitting, I think, an above average hitter in the in the big leagues. Now that may not happen, but I think that you're if you're gonna bet the ranch it's on somebody, unlikely, you bet the ranch on him. It's unlikely at this point that he is a bust. It's it, you feel fairly confident that he is going to at least be an above average major league player. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that that's become clear. I mean, he played in college. He's now had a couple of years in the big league or the, in the minor leagues. Whereas with Hunter Green, Hunter Green's unique in that I think his ceiling is higher than Nick Senzel's ceiling. If you, it's hard to compare pitchers and, and hitters, but I think his ceiling yeah. is, is, oh, is I agree. higher. But uh, we don't know what his floor is. He's, how many times did he pitch? Three or four times in Billings last year? And yeah. we, we, we just don't know. Now I think he's unique, as I was going to say a moment ago, in that if he doesn't pan out as a pitcher, I don't know. You might you might get a center fielder out of him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I could yeah. see him because uh, he he was a shortstop and a, and a big time prospect as a hitter. He DH some uh, for Billings last year. So I mean, there's there are more than one ways to skin that particular cat. But uh, I just I mean, listen, man. Don't don't get into sacrificing more animals. You're talking about skinning <laughs> cats and things now. We've already we've already got a chicken on the line. Let's just let's just leave it there. I think so, but. Um, but l- l- let's let's talk about what it's going to take to improve this team. Are you th- do you th- if you're running the Reds, and there's somebody that can help the team for the next five years, like Christian Yelich, and I don't have any particular names now because Yelich is off the table. But if if there's somebody that can help the team for the next five years, don't you have to sort of pursue them pretty hard right now? Uh, yeah, even, even though they don't think 2018 is going to be the year. Yeah, I go back and forth. Frankly, um, maybe it depends for, on who who you're talking about, right? Yeah, it depends on who you're talking about and where on the field. And it's one of those things where it's just hard to see into the future. Um, you know, I want to say they could use a center fielder sooner rather than later, but I don't know what Tremel's going to do. What if he's ready soon? You know, what if he gets on it and busts up Double A this year? And you know, hey, all right, let's go. Um, maybe he's ready next year. Um, maybe he's not, you know, and it's the same deal with the rotation. Like, Lord, I have no idea. I know that there are like, like last year, nine or 10 or something like that potential, like good major league starters. And I also feel like I'm like, well, are we going to get five major league starters out of there? I don't know. You know, it's tempting to be like, we'll go sign Lance Lynn or go sign new Darvish or whoever, but it's also I also understand the argument for like no nah, we're just not going to do that. I guess I guess I mean I think that I can I can sort of I can buy it if uh, Dick Williams and the Reds say all right we're going to wait till next offseason to really start pushing to add pieces I, I can buy that I mean 2018 some things have to go right for them to be in the wild card hunt I mean I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility but some things have to go right. But when you're talking about adding a player like Yelich 
or you know a similar player that can contribute for the next few years, you got to jump while the iron's hot, basically. Strike while the iron's hot, as the saying goes. And if you can get a guy like that right now that we're talking about for the next few years, I think it, I think you've got to go ahead and, and take the plunge. And I think they did try. I mean, I think they were in on talks with, uh, with the Marlins, and I just think they weren't willing to give up Sinzel. And I'm okay with that. I think it's reasonable not to get this, this particular guy. I agree. Here, let's I'm, let's let's play a game. I'm going to play a game. Is it baseball? Uh, I mean, I do like to play baseball, but <laughs> okay. I retired in eighth grade for very sound reasons. <laughs> yes. um, Maybe not voluntarily, but yeah. Uh, but let's. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a name, and you tell me just your gut instinct, and you'll be out, uh, probably a little optimistic, but probably not as optimistic as I might be. How many wins above replacement is this guy worth this year? Okay. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to throw out several names. Luis Castillo. Four. Uh, Homer Bailey. Two and a half. Tyler Molly. Two and a half. Well, there you go. You have an above-average pitching rotation now, no matter what form Bob do. <laughs> I'm too optimistic, though. You know me, Jason. We, we're I similar do. in that sense, but, but none of those are ridiculous. No, um, and that's and that's the thing is, I kind of the way I think of it is that in terms of putting together a pitching rotation, you want kind of like four, three, two, one, zero from first to fifth, like four WAR, three WAR, two, one, and zero. And if you can do that, then I think I think you're on solid ground. Um. If you can't, then you probably need to add somebody. Yeah. On the offensive side of the ledger, I feel like the Reds really need a – I love Billy Hamilton. They need a center fielder and a shortstop. I think that's where they need to be looking, and that's why Yelich kills me. We keep going back to him. I keep going back to him because that's the one guy. I got I to gotta, I gotta disagree with you here. This is one of those times where I'm going to disagree with you. You ready? Excellent. I'm excited about this. The Reds do not need a uh, shortstop. I don't mm. – I think they might need a shortstop. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. You want to know how we don't know? How I know that we don't know? Tell me. Um, During the age season that Jose Peraza just had, okay? And by Jose Peraza, you mean the presumptive starting shortstop for the 2018 Cincinnati Reds. That's what I mean. So this was his age 23 season, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. Please guess the OPS for Davy Concepcion when he was 23. Oh, gosh. OPS, yeah. Um, 620. 496. <laughs> that is his OPS. 496. That 496. My, that was my Little League OPS, actually. Yeah. At age 22, he was 641. At age 24, he was 541. And then he figured it out and was a com- perfectly acceptable hitter, basically for the rest of his career. You have his WAR numbers handy, though. Uh, yeah, he was age twenty three, one point one, which that's some defense there. Yeah, age twenty four, he was zero point seven. He was bad, though. Chad is the point. He was not a particularly good player until he was twenty five. And you know what? I'm going to look this up real quick. I'm if I remember this correctly, I'm pretty sure. A man whose last name is Smith and who also played shortstop was pretty terrible for a while, too. Certainly at the plate. There's no question about it that he was. Yeah. But, uh, okay. 
Yeah. Ozzie Smith was a terrible hitter until he was 27, and then he was only bad for three years before he became decent. But who's Concepcion? He never turned into a perennial all-star or anything. No, never. <laughs> all-star game MVP. Um, well, so that's, I mean, that's my whole point about Jose Peraza, is that if there is a single player on the roster for whom you say, we need to give him one more shot, especially given what we saw from him in terms of plate discipline in the second half of the season, it's Jose Peraza. He's younger than most of the pitchers that everybody are ready to give a second chance to. He has been a top 10 prospect in multiple organizations. And he's still, like, he's only a year older than Nick Senzel. Listen, I'm with you. I'm not saying the rest should give up on him. You know, I just, if you can find a clear upgrade at shortstop, that's that's one of the places that it's sort of obvious to look for. I'll agree with that. I'll acknowledge that. The shortstop is a place at which they could upgrade, but it is also a place where the best upgrade might be to sit on your hands. Maybe. And I think that's the benefit of having another year of sort of yeah. uh, sorting is that to see what he can do. Because, I, frankly, I think he's going to be excellent defensively once he has some time to settle in at shortstop. I mean, he's he's quick. Uh, his hands are decent. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why he can't become a really good shortstop. He won't be as good next year as Zach Cozart has been, but I think eventually he can be very good. I think he'll be pretty good, and I think, you you know, one of the things that I have just – it doesn't tell you everything, but one of the things I've started to really pay attention to is just does a person have a reputation as someone who is a hard worker slash willing to make adjustments or whatever? And that's – I've heard that about Jose Peraza, and frankly I've seen him make adjustments. You know, it's it's really odd – I saw him when he was first with the bats after the Reds got him and shortly before he got sent up or called up or whatever. And, you know, his plate discipline was really pretty, pretty solid. He was clearly a contact hitter, but it wasn't like he was swinging at everything. And then he got messed up somewhere along the line. And I think it just took him a a while to find his way back. Um, But, you know, the second half of last year, I think what the Reds got out of him, if he could repeat that, I think that I think especially because he's, he's a bottom-of-the-order hitter that nobody thinks is a leadoff hitter, unlike a certain center fielder. Um, we'll get there. And I think that um, if they can get from him what they got from him in the second half, which was, I'm looking this up real quick, um, oh. second half last year, yeah, he was a three thirty three on-base percentage. If they can get that from oh, him. Gosh. I, yeah. Out right. Of, out of a fine. good glove shortstop, yeah. yeah. You say. I mean, He's never going to earn his money with his bat, you know, in that in that sense. But I think that's I think that's more than adequate. Well, here's why I'm willing to. Well, there's two reasons why I'm willing to give him a chance uh, to show himself. Uh, he is young. He's a young, highly touted guy. Uh, you know, you don't get that without you know there being some ability there. Right. But but you talk about this second half surge, and you talk about players that are willing to work. And Zach Buchanan had a great piece in the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, July August last year that showed. I mean, he had the the video that showed specifically the changes that he made in his swing. And he'd been working uh, with the Reds on making these changes so that he could see the ball a little bit longer, so that he could it, it improve, and so that it would improve his plate discipline basically. And uh, and he implemented those changes and you saw actual results on the field. So it wasn't a sense of a a situation where he's, you know, uh, he's on a hot streak or something. There were actual, you know, physical, mechanical reasons that he was hitting better. At least there's an argument that that there were actual mechanical 
changes that were made to his swing. And that makes me think, oh, if that's something he can implement, you know, on an ongoing basis, yeah, maybe he can be a three thirty three on base percentage guy. And if he can be a, if he can get his on base percentage up that high, th- that's a that's a valuable player. And let me tell you something. I just just based off of what I saw from him in the minors, if he can get that plate discipline improved, he's not going to be a power hitter, but we'll see more power from him. He'll be somebody who'll get you, I don't know, 25 or 30 doubles. Yeah, yeah, because well, he, he can put the bat on the ball. Yeah, he, ha- he definitely has more raw power than Hamilton does, and I, that hasn't shown up in results yet. But they, he definitely, when he squares the ball up, hits it harder than Billy Hamilton does. I'm interested to see how he does, uh, certainly, this year. Um, I don't know. But I think the Reds can find an upgrade there. They should be looking at it, but I'm not ready to, to toss him out. Um, can I, can I have, say one more thing about Christian Yelich and why I was so enamored of him? Sure. And, and I'm going to say this. I keep going back to it because I want to ask you this this question. Um, as a 24-year-old, Christian Yelich had 5.3 wins above replacement. He won a silver slugger that year. He has already, he'd already won a gold glove award a couple years before. Uh, now, I get that the Reds weren't willing to give up what it took to get him. And, and I think that's, a, as I've said, a completely reasonable decision for Dick Williams to make because the Brewers overpaid probably. Yeah. Um, Cause they're trying to go for it. But should it bother me this much that he went to a team in the division and that now that we have these three teams in the division that are really pushing to get better while the Reds are sort of sitting and waiting for their window to open. Should that frustrate me as much as it does? I think it's completely reasonable to be frustrated by um, him going to somebody in the division. I found that extremely irritating. Um, I do think, though, like, okay, actually, here's, I might get this wrong, but I have, I have many, many friends who have been to law school. Um, and hey, one of them... Hey, I went not, to law school. I know, but one of them told me about this thing. He said everybody hears it in law school. It's like a sort of a moral puzzle type thing. Um, and the idea is basically this. Like, in one circumstance, there's a train that's going to crash, and you uh, there's a train that's not going to crash, and if you flip the switch, it'll switch tracks, and it'll crash, and everyone dies. In another scenario, in or there's a train that's already going to crash, and if you flip the switch everyone will survive and they won't crash. Well, everybody tends to read the scenario in which you, if you do nothing, it somehow feels, and everybody dies, it somehow feels less wrong than if you do something and someone dies. And when really you know the result either way, and it's just the flip of a switch, it's nothing, it's just moving your hand. And, you know, it's just, I guess, a a moral quandary that they Mm read in law school to talk about, you know, why or what. And I think that, to some extent applies here where it's, you know, unless the question is what specifically would you do? Like here is a specific thing that you can do. I think doing something just to do something isn't necessarily the best move. I think it would satisfy a lot of people because a lot of us want to see stuff done. But, you know, right now, I mean, you know, I'll take as an example, everybody wants to see Michael Lorenzen get a shot in their rotation, and reports are that he's at least going to get a look as a starter. And I've kind of been not in that camp simply because they just don't have that many starts to give people. At some point, like, 
sure, it's great to have 10 or 12 potential starting pitchers, but you only have five slots in the major league rotation, and you only have five in the AAA rotation. So at some point, somebody's got to not be a candidate for the major league starting rotation. At some point, you've just got to go with somebody or not. And so, okay, sure, you add, let's say you sign Lance Lynn. And I, I would probably support that. That's probably a good signing. But then we're told that four spots are already spoken for. So then what? You're sending Stevenson and Romano and Molly and Garrett and Reed. All of those guys are now, and Lorenzen, none of those guys are now available for the rotation unless somebody gets hurt, right? Yes. Is that something you want to do for a pitcher who's about to enter his age 31 season? Well, I, I think you make a, a really good argument for the Reds don't need to be just doing something to be doing something. But, you know, as a sort of a fan who's sick and tired of the losing, it's just really hard to look at it and realize here we are back in 2004 and the Reds and the Pirates are going to be also Rands and the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Cubs are really trying to win the division this year. And it's just, it's hard to deal with. And then if you think about, well, next year might be the year that we can compete, but then you look and say, well, we still got to compete with those three teams. I don't know. I'm just I'm frustrated that really what I'm frustrated with is that Walt Jockey took so long to get off his rear end and start this rebuild. Whereas we could yeah. be in the same position as the Brewers now or or in a better position actually if we just started the rebuild earlier instead of, you know, praying that Todd yeah. Frazier was going to lead us to prominence instead of trading him. I completely um, agree. The Reds absolutely should have cut bait a solid one season earlier than they did. And I feel bad for Dick Williams because he's getting some of the blame. He's going to get the blame if they don't perform this year. Yeah, and none of it's his fault. And it's not none at all. of it's on him. Walt Jockey completely put Dick Williams behind the eight ball. I mean, completely made his job much more difficult. Um, and so, but I don't know. I just, oh, anybody but the Brewers or the Cardinals or the Cubs. If Yelich could have gone anywhere else, I'd have been like, well, the Reds gave it a shot. They couldn't get him. Yeah. So... I don't know. That's yeah, it's, it is just one of those things. This is, I guess, my personal feeling is that 2018 in terms of acquisitions is the last year where I will find it acceptable for them to stand pat. I really think they should trade Billy Hamilton if they can find a taker for him. Billy. But if they're not going to get anything substantial for him, there's also no point. Right. Because they don't have anybody better in the pipe who's ready yet. Uh, Trammell may be soon, but not yet. Um and so, yeah, I mean, basically this year, if I will be upset if they don't figure out the pitching rotation and if uh, Jesse Winker is doesn't get 550 at-bats. Well, on, to that point, you know, you and I sort of agreed on something the other day, as we do occasionally. Uh, but but I made a statement that really my opinion on Brian Price, and of course the Reds brought Brian Price back for another year, as we all know, to the consternation of very many Reds fans. But I, I said that my opinion on Brian Price as a manager is going to be largely governed by where Jesse Winker and Billy Hamilton bat in the order on opening day or in the first week of the season. Do you get what I'm saying by that? Oh, I do. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think Jesse Winker needs to lead off. And I think Billy Hamilton needs to hit 7th, 8th, or ninth. 
it's so self-evident that this shouldn't even be controversial in 2018. Has, yeah. has, has Moneyball, has sabermetrics taught us nothing? And frankly, I, and I, I will go completely on the record with this, I think that Dick Williams should tell Brian Price that if he wants to keep his job, that Jesse Winker is his leadoff hitter. Period. Period. Full, full stop. Full stop. And you know, I'm, I'm well known as being maybe the biggest uh, Billy Hamilton homer on earth. I love Billy. I still think there's a non-zero chance that Billy becomes the guy I want him to become. Um, I mean, he's electrifying no matter what. But yeah, I, I, if if we're looking at opening day, and I'm going to assume that Jesse Winker's in the opening day lineup, he better be. He better be, yes. If we're, if we're looking at open, opening day, and Billy Hamilton is your leadoff hitter, I've been a su- very supportive of Brian Price, and I didn't criticize the decision to bring him back. I've never, well, I don't call for anyone's firing as a manager. These are real people. I don't call for their firings. Um, but if Billy Hamilton is the leadoff hitter on opening day with the current group of players that we have yeah. and that we expect to be in the lineup at that time, I'm done with Brian Price. I'm completely done, and um, I'm not sure what else he can do to change my mind. And I have defended him multiple times in print. Yeah. I think he gets a bad rap sometimes. He, some of the things that have happened to the Reds the last few years are not his fault. But that's something that's completely within his control. I, I completely agree. And more to the point, I think, at least for me, is that whether a trade occurs or not, Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler should not regularly both be in the lineup at the same time. They need to be platooning. Yeah. If we they have need both. to be platooning. And overall, Shebler needs to play more. I, I, you know, I reversed my position on Adam Duvall, and I'll, I'll keep it reversed, which is that I think he's a solid major leaguer. Yeah. But he is, he's nevertheless faded badly down the stretch two years in a row. He is uh, going to turn 30 this year and hasn't learned how to walk yet. So I think, and was actually overall a below average hitter last year. So while he has value, I think he is a fourth outfielder. I think he needs to be the fourth outfielder for the Reds, which is going to drive people insane because they're going to go, but he hit 30 home runs two years in a row. He was an all-star. Yeah, he was an all-star. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) He still wasn't very good in the second half. And then, frankly, if he fatigues like that, he should be a fourth outfielder. Like, if he's fresh, he could be a heck of a bat off the bench. But if he's not, I don't know. Yeah, if it's up to me, I give uh, Shebler 70% of the bats in, at bats anyway. Yeah. When you look at the times that he's been healthy, he's performed, he's over two years younger than Adam Duvall, and uh, and is likely, likely to improve a little bit. But even if you want a straight platoon, not a straight platoon, but you know, Duvall hitting against the the uh, mostly against uh, right-handed, excuse me, left-handed pitchers. Shebler hitting against the right-handed hitters or pitchers. Good grief! I can't even talk today, Jason. What is what's going on? I've got this Christian Yelich thing on my mind, and I can't uh, get away from it. It's causing me to, I don't know. But anyway, platoon them, and then you've got a great bat off the bench, no matter who's on the bench from those two guys. Um, and let Shebler play a little bit of center field if you got a small ballpark or something. But uh, I don't know. I think you can make it work. But the only way you can make this four-man outfield work is if 
you're 100% guaranteed that Jesse Winker's going to get 500, 550, 600 at-bats. Really, if, if we're being honest, the only person in that outfield who should be guaranteed 150 starts is Jesse Winker until he proves he doesn't belong. Absolutely. You well, know, look, the first, yeah. Look at it this way. Jesse Winker, last year, 375 on-base percentage in his first taste of the big leagues. Um, if he can manage that in this upcoming year, and this will be his rookie year, by the way that, way that works, he'll be eligible for rookie of the year. If he can manage a 375 on-base percentage... There are only two outfielders in the history of the Cincinnati Reds have ever had a higher on-base percentage than 375. Frank Robinson's one of them. He was 379 when he won rookie, rookie of the Year. What's that? Frank Robinson. Was he any good? I feel like I've heard that name before. Uh, he was good as rookie year, but I think he sort of he didn't do much the rest yeah, of his well, career. After that. Okay, until, yeah. Until kind he got inducted in the Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Winker's career on-base percentage in the minors is 398, so... Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility he'll get to 375 or 380. If he get to 380, that beats Frank Robinson's on-base percentage his first yeah. year. And uh, and again, that's not crazy talk. And so that, that's exactly why what you just said is correct. This guy has to be in the lineup. There's no excuse not to have this guy in the lineup this year of all years when you're trying to see who you've got. And I, li- I love Scott Schebler. I'm a big Adam Duvall fan. I mean, these guys have played well for the Reds. Yeah. But, but come on. Adam Duvall is not going to be on a starting outfitter for the Reds in three years. Scott Schebler, probably not. He could be. Um, Jesse Winker has a chance to be, you know, for the next five, six years, the starting, I guess, right fielder for the Reds. And so it doesn't make any sense to delay his uh, progression into a, a full-time big leaguer any further. No, he's. it's time. It's, it's absolutely time. So what if he's hitting sixth? Or even second, and Billy Hamilton's leading off on opening day. What are you going to say? Nope. <laughs> That's all. Just no. No. Nope. You know who <laughs> should hit. You know who should hit. Who this? This is actually this is a bit of a divergence. But you know who should really hit before Billy Hamilton at any point in the lineup. Um, Tucker. Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart. Why is that? Because do you know what Tucker Barnhart's on base percentage was last year? Like one hundred and twelve. Exactly. No, 347 was his on-base percentage last year. 347. I have confirmed here. I'm looking at it right now. I've confirmed it. It was 347. Tucker Barnhart gets on base. Yeah. He's, um, he's Ryan Hannigan with a better glove. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> Ryan Hannigan had a pretty good glove, Chad. <laughs> it's well. true. It's true. Uh, but he never won a gold glove like Barnhart did. So, okay, let's just say he's Ryan Hannigan with a little bit better bat maybe. Maybe might, it might have he might have a touch more power than Ryan Hannigan, but uh, but no, he can walk. He gets on base. I would much rather see Winker Barnhart one two than Hamilton Winker one two. Um. Then, oh yeah, absolutely. Not even not even close. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. What about uh, Winker? Now, really, I would like to see Barnhart like sixth or seventh, but you know, in in a theoretical circumstance. What about Winker Suarez? Yeah, I mean, if I if I am setting the lineup, let's say two weeks in, because it's something like two weeks when you when you gain an extra year of control over a, a player you're calling up. So for the bulk of the red season, my lineup is probably some. If I'm in charge, my top four go like this: Winker, Suarez, Senzel, Bado. 
Um, because despite like the convention, the number three spot is actually the least important spot among that because the third hitter comes up with two outs and the base is empty a lot. Um, but really those four in basically any order at the top of the lineup, I am okay with. And Suarez fifth? No, no, no. Suarez in the top four. Oh, you Winker said Suarez. Salvato. Some uh, okay. Four yeah. In the top of the order. You shuffle them around depending on whatever you feel like doing that day. But those four are the top of the order. And then you go, I don't know, Shebler, Barnhart, Peraza, Pitcher, Hamilton. Do that. That's my lineup. I like it. But see, with that lineup, you've got Senzel playing, and which I presume second base. That means you've got no Scooter Jeanette. you just forgetting about Scooter? Can be my very good utility player on the bench. But he's got such a cool name. He does. And you know what? The thing is about a Scooter is nobody uses it to get anywhere. It's just for fun. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and Scooter can be what he was signed to be. When he was picked yeah. up off the waiver wire, which is a solid utility guy. He can do that. Yep. Some pop off the bench. I know he had 27 home runs last year, but, you know, come on. Give me Nixon Zell. Yeah. Um, agree completely. It's about time you agreed with me. Well, okay, so we've talked a lot about the hitters. I think we agree that if Brian Price leads off with Billy Hamilton on day one, we're both probably done with Brian yeah, Price. Yeah, I'm done, I'm done defending Brian Price yeah. if Billy if he has the option of Jesse Winker and Billy Hamilton leads off, nah, we're done. I'm yeah. done. I'm done defending him. I wish for his success, but I will never defend him again, and I have done that. Um, but what about this pitching staff? I mean, we talk about all these hitters. Isn't it really the case that if if the Reds are going to compete in 2019, then we've got to see some big-time progression by the pitchers in 2018, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, I completely agree. How do you see it playing out? Well, I think Castillo is the closest to a sure thing, um, which knock on wood because we're talking about pitchers. Um, I think if he's healthy, I like Disco. Um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, he had the tear that supposedly healed, right? It's one of these deals. Um, so hopefully he's back and okay. He did manage to take the mound and in sort of minor league and like Arizona league action or something like that. Uh, toward the end of the year in 2017. But, oh boy. I mean, if he's healthy, I like him. I think I really kind of think Finnegan is eventually destined for the bullpen. But here's actually, as we were talking earlier, I, I, I had this question and I wanted to ask you. So Homer Bailey's contract runs through the end of 2019. If Homer Bailey is a below-average pitcher coming out of the gate in 2018, how long do you stick with him? You know you know what? I, I don't know the answer to that. It depends on how everyone else is performing around him. Yeah. But, but what I do think is, why couldn't Homer Bailey have a, a, you know, sort of an act two to his career where he moves to the bullpen like uh, John Smoltz? Now, that's not comparing him to a Hall of Famer, but right. why couldn't he be a, a short reliever? He, he he, quite possibly could be. Um, so maybe I wouldn't be hesitant to move out of that rotation if everybody else is performing well around him with, you know, with the thought that, well, maybe you know, there are other options for him. And, you know, one of the things that I think, or that I at least am personally encouraged by is 
that it seems to me over the last few years that Homer has really kind of grown. Um, and he seems both to put like more of the right kind of pressure, but less pressure overall on himself. Like he doesn't seem so afraid of, of being bad. I don't know. I'm not putting this exactly how I want to put it, but I feel like he's much more in the Bronson Arroyo mode where if you told him now, you know, you're not getting it done as a starter anymore. We want you to go to the bullpen. He would look at his results and be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'll go to the bullpen without throwing a fit about it. And I mean, I hope, obviously, I hope that Homer Bailey comes out and is the Homer Bailey of old, you know, an excellent, you know, mid to top of the rotation pitcher. Like, that would be fantastic. Um, but my question really is just like, what if he's not, because we are getting to the end of that contract and it's not, to, you know, we're not to the point, we're to the point now where if he kind of is what he is, then eventually you might have to move on from him, especially if there are other guys knocking on the door, which there may well be. Yeah. And I say in terms of moving on from him, at least maybe there's a, an option that you can move him somewhere else, because I think that I can, it, you don't have to squint yeah. too hard to see, a, a, you know, the potential situation where, the Reds have to move on. They've got a bunch of guys vying for those spots. But, yeah. you know, the other side of that argument is that I really believe I saw enough from him last year to make me think he can absolutely get back to being a solid number three guy. Um, or, or number four. But, I mean, I, I saw enough from him for me to believe that he might be a different pitcher this year than we've seen in a while. And so he's never going to be the guy that he was when he got hurt, yeah. the guy that earned that contract. But I think he can be a valuable pitcher for this team, and, and uh, I mostly agree with you. For the record, I, I, I think you're. I think you're probably right. But I think that, you know the possibility that he's bad is is large yeah, enough that, that you have to think about what if. I think at least I think the Reds should be entertaining that notion. Oh, they have to. They need to be having those conversations uh, uh, behind closed doors because, you know, what do you do with a guy? You know, I, I don't think the answer is you're not going to send him to the minors. Obviously, you can't do that. Um, you know, long relief, you stick him down there and maybe let him be a spot starter because he's Homer Bailey and he's being paid so much money. But I don't know. Maybe you go to him and say, hey, let's uh, try as a setup guy and maybe, you know, who knows? You could be a closer. And, uh, and I actually, actually see his stuff working in a, in yeah. a, bull, in a bullpen, uh, you know. Okay. Not facing course, it a lot the second time around. You know, the giant asterisk, asterisk, ah, whatever, over all of this is, remember last year when we were like, hey, the Reds have so many starting pitchers, I wonder who's going to be in the rotation. Yeah, it might be Homer. <laughs> and, you know, then we were like, oh, hey, uh, Luis, uh, uh, um, Lisa Verto bon- Bonilla, that's who Hold on, let's, uh, I didn't think we get to say this in 2018 because he's no longer with the Reds, but let's let's say it correctly. Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Oh, that's Very- the most fun to say that name of any guy that's ever played for the Reds. And uh, and Asher... Wojciechowski. That's the one. Thank you, Chad. Also, yeah. did we mention Lisa Alberto Bonilla? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I could say that all day. and Some, some days I, I do say it all day. I, uh, I imagine you just, just sitting at work and periodically going, Lisalberto Bonilla. Lisalberto Bonilla. Oh, I love it. Um, oh, here, here's, here's my opinion on the rotation for the Reds in 2018. 
it is 98% dependent. The success or uh, failure of this rotation is, uh, maybe not 98%, but it's largely dependent on what we get out of Anthony DiSclefani. I think if he comes back as the Anthony DiSclefani that we saw in 2016, where he had a 3.28 ERA, three wins above replacement and just 20 starts, you know, um, 130 ERA plus, if, as a 26-year-old, if he comes back as that guy, all of a sudden, this rotation starts looking amazing because you got Castillo and Esclafani at the top. If he doesn't come back as if he's sort of a shell of his former self, then I think you got to sort of scrape and, and figure out a rotation. Does that make sense to you? It does, though I think I kind of disagree, actually. Wonderful. Let's hear it. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I agree, obviously, that he's he is absolutely the second best starter, no question, if he's healthy. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a question. But I think, and I will, I will continue to say this until I'm proven wrong, um, I think what is really going to, to be a difference maker for the Reds is when um, Tyler Molly inevitably solidifies his place in the rotation. Um, I think he, in the long run, is going to end up better. I, I think, with the exception probably of, of Castillo, I think he's basically the cream of the crop. Um, and he's just has been so good at every level in the minors. And it's like one of the things I've kind of taken to paying attention to is how much younger than the league average a given player is. And so like Tyler Molly for most of his minor league career has been like two and a half to four years younger than the average player in the league. And he's destroyed every league he's been in um, against more experienced competition. So I think that, he'll adjust and I think that he's going to be a better pitcher. He still is somebody that I feel like people don't talk about enough. Um, and I think he's going to be better than a lot of people are thinking he is. They don't talk about him cause he wasn't a number one draft pick. Yeah. You know, he's been under the radar his whole career, but like you say, man, this guy has performed at every level. So, and and often, you know, often those are the guys who, who kind of come around and just sort of end up being, you know, like really good, often quite great. You know, the the example that I always bring up, because I just can't help it, is Joey Votto versus Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce, heck of a major league career, real solid player, like, you yeah. know, had some good years. He was the number one draft pick. Joey Votto was not, a, you know, was not a top draft pick. Um, I don't think Joey Votto was ever considered like the best prospect in the system. And yet he's the player out of all of those guys who might end up going to the hall of fame. Right. You never know. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to, we'll wait till we get a little closer to the season to start making predictions about what the Reds are going to do, but it's going to be interesting to see if they do anything else. I think they're still looking to see what's available out there, but I don't know. At this point, the Reds have signed one player, uh, Jared Hughes, a 32 year old reliever, who has been released by two different teams in the National League Central already. Um, so they're standing pat largely, but uh, I don't know. Some days I look at it and I think, all right, you know, this team could be okay. Some days I'm like, oh, just sign Clayton Kershaw for crying out loud. If the Reds could somehow possibly acquire Clayton Kershaw, I would be all for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If they could just get Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout, it's it all of a sudden looked like a pretty good team. It really would, right? They should do that. They, <laughs> they should, should trade like 
Well, they should trade that Jared Hughes guy and, like, Scooter Jeanette and Adam Duvall and then get Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw. That seems good, right? That seems reasonable to me. Why don't they do it? Yeah. All right. Call the Dodgers and the Angels. Let's make it happen. <sighs> Come on, Dick Williams. Get on the ball. We've already we've just improved your team in ten seconds. So easy that job. <laughs> so easy. All right, Jason. Any other thoughts? Just that I'm tired, Chad. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm tired of waiting for the Reds to win. But I'm going to get back to being optimistic. Hey, can I tell you something? I'm pretty happy about today. Uh, sure. My, uh, we've talked a little bit. I don't know if you and I've talked about it much here on the podcast, but uh, I got a book coming out this spring, The Big Fifty. Ooh the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, and it went to the printer today. Approved hey, the, that's fun. Yeah, we approved the cover art and all that stuff, and so it's exciting. going to be out early April in time for opening day, hopefully. should be in bookstores by that time. So we'll talk about that more on the podcast, yeah. though. but it's my first book, and so I'm excited about it. Yes, I approve. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a seasoned author like you, Jason Linden. Oh, please don't call me seasoned. <laughs> you are seasoned, although I'm more well-seasoned. All right, anyway, uh, appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Happy to be back for the 2018 season. This was a fun one, and we've got plenty more coming every single week from here on out. Uh, uh, Jason Linden, you can find him on Twitter, at Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. If your name is Hunter Green, don't bother. I'm not going to talk about you anymore. Don't even follow my Twitter feed. You can follow us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter and then at RedLegNation.com every single day where we're talking about the Reds and have been every single day for this coming month here, it'll be 13 straight years that we've been talking about the Cincinnati Reds and writing about them every day and just really obsessing over all the minutiae of our favorite baseball team. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast, Red Leg Nation Radio. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. I, uh, we're there and all of them. And if they have an option where you can get leave us a rating or review, especially on iTunes, if you go and leave us a rating uh, and a good review... Um, it helps us. It helps people find the podcast and it moves us up in the search rankings. And uh, you can always say something, say something really nice about Jason on the reviews. We'll look at those. And uh, if you say something really nice about Jason, we'll mention it on a future podcast. Jason, always great talking to you, buddy. Always good to talk to you, Chad. Uh, yes, I know it is. Uh, for Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.